Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you into the field, to those places where you're going to have those aha moments, and mastermind meetings that move you closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. It doesn't happen in some $25,000 soundproof Hollywood studio. It doesn't happen in your office. And what you may hear in the background is a car driving by, a bird chirping, a little ambient conversation from a nearby table. The Business Creators Radio Show will take you to some of these places. Today, we come to you from my balcony here in beautiful Las Vegas, known to some, at least me, as the hottest city in the world. And today's topic is going to be one of those things that I believe you're going to find very interesting, particularly if you offer a service and or you own or manage a services agency. The challenge that I've seen with agencies is commoditization is one of them. It's like what really makes one different from the other. And then due to failure to understand that, they end up competing on price, which is only a downward spiral. And then there's the other piece, which is how to get clients to understand the value of what they're investing in. For years and years and years, I found myself in this cycle with my own clients and my own various ventures of being the one-eyed man leading the blind. And what happens when you end up in that relationship or that symbiosis is you become an idol and idols are designed to fall. People find out you're human. It's why they say never meet your heroes. And it's also why if you have A family member who thinks you can do no wrong, that's essentially a form of toxicity and a cycle to be broken. So while some of this stuff may sound a bit dramatic, it does come to a very important thing, which is building and growing an agency around being what's known as education first. And this is about educational communication. And we have a number of points to cover on this. But first of all, let's introduce our guest. His name is Colby Flood. As an in-house marketer, Colby noticed one major issues with the agencies that he himself hired, which is communication. This drove him to found Brighter Click, which is a company to create an education first agency that focuses not just on performance, but on proactive communication led by education. There are some terminologies to define and some issues to bifurcate. I look forward to doing all of it, but first of all, Colby Flood, come on in. The weather's fine. Hey, Adam, how are you doing today? 
could be better if you pay me a million bucks, but let's try that anyway, just to see what happens. I, I don't know if I can get you there, but hopefully I can provide some value <laughs> on the call today. <laughs> well, I think you're going to do great. We have a number of points you gave me in the green room, and we're going to cover all of these uh, over the course of our conversation here. But first of all, what we'd like to do is I got a little bit of a sense of what brought you in this direction, but tell us in your own words something about your journey and how it's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yeah, of course. I appreciate the opportunity to. So uh, kind of like you said in the intro, really started out seeing that opportunity. I feel like most uh, good business opportunities start with a problem. And the problem that we were having was that communication with the agencies that we were working with was not good. And I don't just mean that in the sense of, oh, they take too long to respond, right? It's not always yeah. about speed of response. It was about the quality of the explanation and just creating that common understanding with us as we were working with them. And I saw this as such an opportunity to not be an agency that focuses on guaranteed ROI or uh, results. Now those are very important, but to me, results are a uh, non-negotiable when you work with an agency. That's what they're there to do is to bring yes. results. So the thing that agencies, in my opinion, or that we focus on is one of the things is excellent communication. And like I said, it's not mm -hmm. just speed of response. It's communication through education that way. Yeah. To me, an agency seeing, agency saying they're going to deliver results and you hear a lot of time, we're going to deliver results. We're going to deliver return on investment. It's like saying, your car is going to start and run and take you someplace <laughs> when you drive it. It's like, uh, it's kind of what you're there for, yeah. but we want to get a little bit deeper. What are these results? How is it going to change your lives? My main business is I work with small businesses and entrepreneurs to launch their podcasts. And what I've discovered through almost two years of developing and growing the podcast reach system is by and large, clients really don't give a rat's ass about having a podcast. It's not about that to them as much as it's about what are the results that you get mm -hmm. that change the trajectory of your business. For one of our clients, it was a combination of being able to develop influencer authority in a market where she had not yet offered products and services, and at the same time, engage in list building. For mm -hmm. another, it was about having 300 people that she needed to connect with on a personal level and not wanting to slurp 300 gallons of virtual coffee where we get to know each other. Goodness, I, I, I get those things and I say, you know what? I don't, do, I don't do meet and greets. I don't do strategy sessions. I don't do getting to know you calls. And for God's sake, I don't drink that fucking virtual coffee. Uh, <laughs> what I will do is I will have you on my podcast. When can we get you on? And, uh, you know, that's part of what you, know, you and I are doing right now is this is the first time, I mean, this is the first time you and I have spoken. And, uh, yes. you, and you also saw what the pre-interview green room situation looks like. Candidly, all I knew going into this, it was at one o'clock Pacific, I had to be on Zoom to connect with some guy named Colby Flood, and I was going to interview him about something. Somewhere <laughs> in the recent past, or the recent trajectory of history, you or your agent had filled out an application for you to be on this show. And something about that application led me to say, hell yes, I'll speak with this guy. I forwarded that off to my assistant with a Y in the subject line, which meant book this one. And that's the last I thought of it until you came back. Do you remember me saying, 
I'm so excited to speak with you. And in a moment, I'll be able to tell you why. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? That's, yep. that's because my involvement in this is leveraged to the point where I don't even think about these things. If you showed up for your interview, if you were a book, that means somewhere along the line, I was excited to speak with you. It's just, I go through so many and I have so many things in my life. I don't spend a lot of time on this. I have a system that allows me to quickly determine which applications for guests are the ones I want to speak with, to get excited about that, to say yes to it. And I expect it to circle back to me in the form of a scheduled interview. And that's what happened here. So what I want to do now is I want to define some terms because I want people to understand where you're coming from with your messaging. First of all, what do you mean by educational communication? How do you do you define that in your work? Yeah, that's a great question. So educational communication is making sure that the client has a level playing field with where you're coming from and making sure that you're explaining all of your thought process behind the work that you're doing and any background information on the platform. So I'll give you a quick example really quick, right? So let's say we have a client, we do uh, paid media. Let's say we have a client that sees that one specific ad or one specific audience is working. And the client comes to us and they say, hey, we really noticed that that single ad is performing very well. I want you to increase the spend on that ad or run just that ad in the entire, entire account. Oh, by the way, we're spending $2,000 a day, okay? Now, if there's any Facebook marketers listening, they cringe, they say, oh no, I know what's gonna happen. First time impression ratio, horrible, uh, audience fatigue, creative fatigue, all these things might happen, right? We're gonna have a lot of problems there. So you can communicate a couple of ways with the clients. You can say no, and you can seem unresponsive and unwilling, right? You can say yes, and then, your performance is graded on the performance of what you know is not going to work, or you can lead through education and you can say, Hey client, I just want to let you know, totally open to working with you through these opportunities. Uh, love working in the account so far, but if we decide to move one single ad into $2,000 a day and spend, what we're going to see is some major creative fatigue across the account and when that happens, the performance is going to drop. And here's how we're going to see it. Our click-through rate is going to decline. Yeah. And our CPC and CPM are going to rise. And then the problem that we're going to see is your returns are going to drop. But because we have no other creatives running in the account, when that performance starts to drop, we're going to have to launch new creative, which is going to take time to test out and optimize. So we're going to have a pretty bad time in the account for a week, maybe two weeks, while we're trying to get our performance back and it can have some long-term impact on the account. So with that being said, we're totally open to working with you through this. I think it would be great to launch this in a couple of different ad sets, but are you okay modifying that a little bit? What are your thoughts, right? That's, that's it right there. That's all it takes. And then two to three minutes of extra time typing an email saves a lot of bad performance, saves a lot of issues in the account and really helps build a lot of trust and authority for you with your clients as well. Yeah, I when I was first getting started with business and I was first finding my testicular fortitude to stand <laughs> up to clients who tried to push me around with their stupid ideas and I, it's like I it's like I know that what they're asking for is going to absolutely screw up everything they're trying to accomplish. It's a really bad idea. All it's going to do is cause them more 
back-end work and it's going to get them a lot less results and it's going to confuse the heck out of the people who are paying for their stuff. And I came up with a line where I would say, okay, uh, I, I'm going to paraphrase this because I don't have a copy of it right in front of me because I haven't had to use it in a long time. But basically what it boiled down to was having them acknowledge that they were aware that I had made them, that I had apprised them of the risks that they were taking and our very strong recommendation that they do not do this. And in light of having that awareness are making the decision for themselves that they want to go ahead anyway, and therefore themselves own all responsibility for any successes and failures. Now, what happened is a few would say, well, yeah, well, I'm, I'm the client. That's how I want it. I say, okay, okay. Reply that email to acknowledge that. But most of them would say, oh, well, wait, can you tell me more about this? So it was not exactly the most flowery approach, but what it did for me was to open the communication since they hadn't heard my message the first time to put themselves in a new frame where they could at least hear the education and make a more informed decision with whatever they decided to do. Yeah, and, that's and, so and most of them, upon hearing it the second time, would say, "Oh, yeah, you know, now that I think of it, I, we probably don't want to go there. Let's just go with your, let's just go with your plan." Yeah, and that's and that's so important. And we'll define that as like responsive education, like responding to client yeah. requests and things like that. And the second one I would look at is proactive education, in the sense of you can lead client communication by calling out opportunities that are outside of your direct wheelhouse as well. Like for example, we'll go back to what we do, Facebook, Instagram ads, right? Yeah. Well, we understand that the website performance has a play in that. Their email marketing has a play in that. They could be doing SMS marketing. The Google ads tie into that because there's performance overlap as well. So as we're working with clients as well, we proactively educate them to let them know opportunities like your landing pages are slow and it's causing a drop-off, right? Or yeah. you have an add-to-cart opportunity. So there's a lot of ways that you can educate clients responsibly to respond to their requests, but also proactively to help their business grow and make referrals. And that's a whole nother conversation on why uh, I personally think every freelancer agency should have a referral network because it helps you and it helps your client as well. But uh, that's just two ways that we do it. Well, certainly. And just what I'm getting out of that, Colby, is... First of all, you don't have to be all things to all people. When I used to have more of an agency model myself, I would get prospects kind of me saying, you know, we're just looking for a one-stop shop that can do everything. And I would say, hold it right there. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you And you, you're giving that knowing little slight chuckle. You know exactly what I'm talking about here. I've covered this on other episodes extensively. So I'll leave it to our listeners to go listen to another episode and preserve our time here. But the fact is, is you identified a few things that your firm is really, really, really good at, that mm -hmm. they are you serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. And you have the opportunity to make connections with others who can do the same thing. That's where a lot of my, the piece of my business that's referral based comes from is my relationships with companies that do parallel or mm -hmm. similar or, or other services within the industry, but they don't want to get involved in that podcasting stuff. So, mm -hmm. hey, that's, you know, it's a good relationship. And 
It also helps you to avoid things like uh, requests. I used to get when I very first started in business. I, I still, I, I love the guy who asked me to do this, but I still think it's one of the most ridiculous things I was ever asked. He said that he, this is on a Tuesday. He said he needed to have Google ads up and running by Thursday. So he needed me to become an expert within 24 hours and have the ads up and running by Thursday. Even though back then I lacked what I earlier in this conversation referred to testicular fortitude, I just outright said, no, that is not possible. Wait, you mean you mean you can't go from no ads to an expert in two days on Google? I thought he uh, he expected <laughs> me to write a couple books, um, yeah. <laughs> find webinars, uh, pull an all nighter over it, and then somehow uh, gain an intimate knowledge of how the Google advertising networks functioned and get ads not only designed but approved within a forty-eight hour time frame. Whew. Okay, okay, you your company runs ads on other social networks. Uh, try not to laugh your ass off just that idea of that level of speed and going from zero to actually having ads approved. Yeah, well, let alone even if you already knew ads doing a two-day turnaround time with no notice. But um, yeah, wow, that would be difficult. Uh-huh, yeah. And, th- and this is w- this is one of the reasons I wanted to speak with you today is agencies... I find sometimes struggle with this, particularly when the person running the agency does not have the framework to set and maintain their own boundaries mm-hmm. and allow themselves to be steamrolled over and get blamed when things don't go as they should. I have some personal experience with that. Uh, I didn't un- at first understand how to set boundaries. I've let people steamroll me. I say yes to everything and it, a lot of it went south and that's not how I want to live my life. And I don't even want to go back to thinking about that era in it. <laughs> that's the era where I smash my printer into a thousand pieces. I write about in my book. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, you mentioned, I, I love this thing about giving suggestions for services outside of the scope. And I love the one particularly about your website is performing slow. And with one of my business consulting clients, I ran into this. They had somebody on their team who absolutely insisted on running this stupid thing in their in their sidebar in their WordPress site. It was like they pulled links to articles from their blog and a ticker. And this one little plugin was causing the website to take, in some cases, up to seventy seven seconds to load. You already know that you have about 0.7 seconds to give or take to not only get the website loaded, but also capture the visitor's attention enough that they stick around for the next 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And and these are approximate numbers, but you get the idea. You cannot have a 70 second, 77 second load. And, uh, and I had a, a pretty interesting way of dealing with this one too, is I just simply, I logged in myself. I, deleted the plugin. I didn't deactivate. I deleted it. And I said, that plugin caused the website to crash and there's no way around it. Hmm. That's all I said. And they, well, they went for it because <laughs> it was I, basically, I gave them a pretty stark choice at that point. Yeah. It, it yeah. reminds me, that reminds me of another story just real quick. And then I have a few interesting things I want to ask you here is uh, I also remember uh, this again during that era in my life where a client of mine belonged to a mastermind as most of us do. And his mastermind buddy had come out with a plugin 
uh, that was supposed to do something. I can't remember what it was. So my client went ahead on his own Steam and loaded the plugin and activated it on his WordPress site on his own. Then he comes to me wanting to know why his site's taking two minutes to load. I said, okay, have you installed any plugins lately? He said, oh, yeah, well, my buddy of mine, he created this plugin, and it does this, that, and the other. Okay, I already knew the answer to this one. I logged into the WordPress site, and I ran six load, and I ran six load speed tests, three with the plugin on, three with the plugin off, and with no other variables. And I established pretty quickly that that plugin in itself was the entire source of the problem. I said, all right, I fixed your problem. Uh, I, I deleted the plugin. It, the plugin was your problem. I have... Here are your six reports. You can see the statistics. You can see where it runs through the sequence of uh, what scripts it runs and how it hangs up on that particular thing. He said, oh, come on. Can't, it's, isn't there like a, like a help desk or a tutorial? And I said, I looked that up already. Um, every, all the information on the web about this plugin is our um, bought and paid for fake reviews that your buddy had put on other sites saying how awesome the plugin is. Uh-oh. He's like, oh, but come on, come on. I want to be able to tell my buddy that I use this plugin. I say, yeah, tell your buddy that you use this plugin and fucked up your website. So tell him <laughs> to fix it. I mean, what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 I and I bring these types of stories up because these are when you get the agency owners together in that public place at the tavern where they have a couple cocktails that they desperately need. And they're telling these stories about the things that just grind their gears. These are the stories that come up. Uh, we don't hear as much about the piece that we're looking for you to fill in, which is the value of educational communication. So in all those little stories there that I just told you about that that ticker script, about that plug-in, they were wrecking the websites. I mean, the education was pretty simple is uh is what's more important to you uh this little thing that you alone care about or being a pal to your mastermind buddy or actually having a website that's a pretty obvious choice but some choices are not so obvious yeah and the very... client may and the client may not see that how does the agency owner articulate that yeah, you know, um, it can be different depending on the client. One thing that we find works very well. So um, we're looking at in specific Facebook, Instagram ads, let's talk about the full funnel, right? So there's landing page view percentage, which is normally load speed, there's add to cart yep. percentage, there's checkout initiated, there's purchase conversion rate, um, there's AOV, right, you're gonna have some key things. We find great success with looking at uh, industry benchmarks or benchmarks in their vertical or their specific form of e-commerce and using those data points to give them an understanding of where meet expectations is, right? So if their landing page view percentage is 50%, we'll let them know, hey, generally we look for this to be 80% or higher. And just to kind of show you what we're talking about here, you had 2000 link clicks over the past X amount of days only a thousand of those people actually made it to the website. So the big bottleneck we're seeing on your website right now is we're paying for people to click and they're doing it on the ad, but they're not even making it to the website. So it's just wasted money right now, right? Right. Really, really relate it back to uh, what, what concerns them, right? So return, obviously, but you're wasting money. Like uh, things are happening right now and it's just not working because you can't catch them. It's raining outside, but there's nothing to catch it in. Right. So I, I, lo I love, I love, I love this. And if I may, 
interject. So yeah. in conversations about the the ticker plugin or the mastermind buddies plugin, that's an appeal to what really matters to the client is they're doing whatever it is, whether they're buying ads or or doing publicity or whatever to drive visitors to that web page. And if that web page is taking taking 77 seconds to load, their investment's going right down the drain. Yeah. Yeah, very much. And and what we show them is um, there's ways or like there's two solutions really, and we'll get very simplistic with it. It's either pay more money and drive more traffic to the website or fix the conversion, fix the problem. And then let's look at how we can optimize from there. So one thing we commonly do, we do Facebook, Instagram ads is we'll tell the client, just look at a roadmap. If they're a new business, newer business, right? They're not a well-defined spending hundred, $200,000 a month in ad spend. Let's get this full funnel working before you try and spend any more money else in acquisition, right? So let's get uh-huh. the Facebook side of things working, but let's make sure your website's performing and your backend email and SMS are working before you start going acquisition heavy, because we see a lot of businesses can fail that way of just focusing on the new customer acquisition when there's two other levels levers to pull, uh, increase AOV and increase purchase frequency down the road with uh, existing customers as well. So sorry, I get going on rants there, but that's, yeah, that's oh, how, I, that's how oh, we I, communicate it. <laughs> yeah. And I got a, I got a rant for you on this and I'm going to keep this brief. This is a, this is a company that's referred to me that I can't remember their name and I haven't heard of them since, but uh, again, this is back when I had a, a web development agency and we took on all kinds of things. I got to have some fun with it in a way. And one of which was a referral from one of my existing clients. Uh, they wanted us to set up their affiliate program. And I took a look at their website and I said, there is absolutely no way that an affiliate's ever going to get a successful referral off this. In fact, any, any affiliate that is worth their salt isn't even going to be willing to participate in this program because of how bad the website is. So out of the goodness of my heart, I, uh, and as a token of my appreciation to my very good client who referred these people to me, I filmed a a 10 minute Camtasia video explaining the issues with why their website was unlikely to attract an affiliate to help, much less ever get an affiliate a converted sale. And step and practical steps they could do quickly to remedy this so they could get going with their affiliate revenue stream. And they, uh, and so the, uh, the, the person referred to me uh, said, Oh, okay. I saw your video and I'd like to schedule an appointment with you. I sent him to my scheduler. He booked it. And then I showed up for the call. I think it was two days later and he had him and his entire team on his end, which I wasn't expecting. And they thought they were going to do the full port press on me. You know what I'm talking about? And push the fact that we need this affiliate program set up. And I, this is when the testicular four two is starting to kick in. And I said, the tagline for your business is that you are the answer to absolutely everything, which means you don't answer nothing until you're willing to have a discussion about fixing these conversion factors, which anybody can see. I'm not even going to discuss your affiliate program with you. And that was the end of the call. 
Well, what? Uh, well, he well, he took well, he took a hard edge with me with trying to push that he didn't care about my feelings. He just wanted me to do what I was told, like I was there to jump for him. Uh, mm-hmm. So I gave it back to him in turn. But I can also see another scenario where somebody may be full of the Kool Aid from having attended a webinar about affiliate programs, or mm-hmm. their own coach is pushing them, and their coach said, "Oh, you can go ahead and do this affiliate program. You can deal with that website stuff later. Just get your affiliate program up." But the people who understand what make affiliate programs work and and what, how website conversions work, particularly when it comes to affiliates driving cold traffic, that you have to cover, as you said, three bases before you can run a campaign. You can think of affiliate marketing similar to an ad campaign. It's something you're paying for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, and it comes down to having the potential or, uh, existing clients' best interests and heart. What they do with the information is ultimately up to them. Ideally, they go in a in a good direction. But uh, that uh, educating them, showing them the opportunities, is so much better than just taking the job for the money or just for the quick turnaround. Just to just to put something out there, just to have new revenue coming in. Because really, at the end of the day, it's the agencies that focus on client success and that care about their name and their business that really go long-term. You can, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it's uh, the company that focuses on sales gets to 100K the quickest, but the company that focuses on client success gets to a million uh, the quickest. So it's really just having the best interest in mind that way. I think I saw a meme similar to that this morning. So here's a question you may not get asked on all of these conversations. You've noticed that in telling some of my stories and a few of my rants I've incorporated into here up until now, where I'm acting as the voice of my listeners who feel some of these same things, but they may not be comfortable expressing them out loud, that there's like a, these jerks energy to it, even though I'm telling stories about things that happened like 10 years ago. So this is visceral stuff. Now, after a while, the agency owner may get jaded and just get really sick and tired of having to explain the same stuff to these damn morons over and over again and be right and be to the point where they're going to say, look, you hired me. You don't like what I have to say. Just go somewhere else for all I care, which is definitely not a customer friendly approach and one I don't recommend. But those thoughts can end up crossing the mind. So what would you say? about mindset and how to optimize your mindset around being focused positively on an education first approach? Yeah, that's a great question. You definitely want to make sure you have a a partnership mindset in the sense of um, it's a two-way street, right? Are both the client and the agency putting in the dual effort needed to grow that business? Um, because not everything is up to the agency, but also not everything is up to the client as well. So yeah. is that is that effort being put in on both sides? And then um, is the is the client actively taking the education provided and doing things with that? And I mean, it it never hurts to ask, am I communicating this to the best of my ability? And if it's something that you've done with multiple clients and they've taken it in the same way, maybe the answer is yes. Um, ultimately what I would say is you, you always want to make sure that the communication is coming from uh, professional education that way. And it is good as a freelancer, as an agency to have money in the bank. And the reason that I say that is when you don't have money in the bank 
and you don't have a sales pipeline, you're operating off of scarcity. And when you're operating yeah. off of scarcity, you're going to stick around with a potentially bad partnership longer than you should, right? Which is going to be a negative for both. It's going to be a negative for you. You're going to start to burn out. You're going to start to not want to talk to that client, not going to want to go into work. It's bad for the client because they may be missing a growth opportunity with another agency or just within their business in general, right? Uh -huh. And it can have negative effect long-term. So have a little bit of cushion in the bank as quickly as you can so that you cannot operate off scarcity. Now, that doesn't mean just quick draw fire every client that causes an issue, but- Yeah, you can't can do that. You, yeah, it can help you- uh, it can help you keep from having to stay in, in situations that are not good fit for you or for your agency that way. Well, yeah. And it, it's also worth pointing out that if you just do quick draw fire, every time you run into some sort of snag, you're not going to get any growth out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you, know, you can have fun with your business. In fact, you should be having fun with what you're doing. You really should be finding a way to make it fun or to find a way to do something else but you're still going to have to deal with stuff. And humans are chaotic bags of chemicals. Expecting them to perform a certain way, expecting them to think a certain way, expecting them to react a certain way to vibes and energy that you give them is completely unrealistic. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and unless you're looking to, I mean, if you want people to, to respond and perform exactly the way you want them to in all cases, otherwise they're fired, then what you got to do is you got to write a screenplay and hire actors. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not how business works. And uh, one good thing to add in is um, it, there's always learning opportunities. So education first is not just educating the client. It's looking for education for yourself as well, right? Because clients yeah. can educate you. And one thing that's good to do when you have a a bridge that burns with a client, whether they fire you or you need to offboard them is doing something like a, a post-project review where you and the team get together on a quick 20, 25 minute call and just talk about the opportunities. What could we have done differently? What could our, how could our process change to eliminate these opportunities that happened here? What could we do to optimize our service for clients? Is what happened here negatively affecting any other clients and we aren't aware of it because they aren't vocalizing it? Those, those help because processes are never 100%. You can always change things within your onboarding, your processes, your communications to implement things better in the future as well. Yeah, and I like what you're saying here is that this is actually sort of an autopsy or a postmortem, which is different than immediately revisiting your entire business model. I got to, yeah. as, as, as our listeners know, I communicate a lot through stories and examples. So this one's actually from a colleague of mine. And this colleague was working with a client and apparently their client had uh, told them, uh, you know, had, uh, told them that they had somebody who visited their web page. It was selling their, their, uh, their training course or what have you. And this person who was looking at their web, the client's web page accused the client of having a complete lack of integrity with their sales process because they didn't ever, because they didn't display the price. Well, the best part is they did display the price. That's number one. And number two, 
the challenge that my colleague was having is their client wanted to completely review and revise everything and wanted to beg this random person's forgiveness. Hmm. So I gave my so I gave my uh, colleague a little tip about what to do about it. And I said, just go ahead and do this. Don't say anything to anyone. It's not a big deal. Just go ahead and do it and wait to see if the issue comes up again. So here's where it came up. About a week later, my colleague and their client were having a conversation about uh, what can we do to uh, get more sales on this thing? We want to make sure we really sell this out. We want to really maximize this. And they started kicking around ideas back and forth. And one of which was the client said, well, what about, what about Laurie? Uh, you think maybe she had been the one who had accused the client of having no integrity. Uh, you think maybe we could uh, offer her a discount and invite her? And uh, my colleague said, well, well, we took care of Laurie. And that client got all excited. Well, well, what happened? Uh, did, did, did you apologize? Did you change the website? It's like, no, we took care of Laurie. Well, how'd you take care of her? Uh, we deleted and blocked her from all your social media, uh, took her off your email list and blocked her IP address from opting in again. You don't have to worry about Laurie anymore. Hmm. And the client said, oh, okay. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> now what you had there was a case of, and this is something that I think our educational system screws us up on a lot. And then it just, just keeps going down the line as we go through our life is that we necessarily owe people answers if they demand them. In the case of Laurie, who once goes around accusing randoms of having no integrity, you don't know that person answer at all. Just delete and block them because they're never going to buy from you. That's a, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. A, if, 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 if Laurie's opinion mattered, she would have bought first. And then after spending the money, consuming it, showing she gained results from it, and then, and then offering to spend more money, my mention, oh, by the way, the last time I had a little bit of a difficulty finding the price, where would I find that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, there's a, I can't remember exactly, it's in a marketing book I read, but there's a corporate example of that is staying, staying to your buyer persona and, and uh, core values in the sense of there's a low budget airline that um, had a customer angry, went up the chain and wrote a letter to the CEO demanding certain things that are on something like Delta or, or a higher end airline. And he wrote her back and said, sorry, but I don't think you're someone that would fly our airline. And that was it. Right. Just yeah. ended it there. Right. Right. I, I had a case once where um, with one of our podcast reachers, their hosting company just royally screwed a lot of stuff up. Mm. And I was out for blood because it held up my clients, uh, deadlines and I was not going to let this go. And I was, I wanted to speak with the CEO, the CEO, the CEO's boss, the CEO's mother-in-law. I wanted on and on and on and on. I wanted my client to get free hosting for life and everything else. And then somebody said, well, well, we, un we understand and we're happy to have a conversation with you. And just so you know, uh, we've credited an extra two months to your client's account. So it's two more months before they owe us for hosting again. And uh thing was, is I was just hoping to give her one month. Mm. <laughs> uh, but the difference between that scenario and the airline customer scenario is not only was my client a paying customer, not only is this the same hosting firm that I use, but they're my default for our podcast reachers who need hosting. 
So I was already spending the money. Yeah. So I, so the whole thing of I'm unlikely to use your services. Well, uh, me and a whole bunch of my friends are using your services <laughs> and my friends are here because they trust me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's so, so, uh, Throwing a little credit uh, this way for something that I can document was your people screw up is not an unreasonable request. <laughs> well, it's good. It sounds like they took care of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I was really frustrated with the whole thing because it cost me a night's sleep. Uh, as in, I had to pull an all-nighter over trying to get through to somebody. And uh, in the end, it turned out that there were just six people who didn't understand how their process had changed. And now you have to push a different button. Mm. that's what this all came down to. So yeah, I had some steam to blow off after that. <laughs> and I, and I did want the CEO's mother-in-law to explain it to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, but yeah, that that's, but see, again, these two examples that you gave and I gave show the value of who you actually answering to. If this is somebody who's not actually your customer and is not likely to become your customer, you don't know him squat. But if this is a case where going back to the initial theme of this part of the interview, where it's a client relationship that just didn't work out the way it should, and you're having a postmortem on it, then, yeah, that's an appropriate thing to do. But like leaping and wanting to evaluate your entire systems because one rando came around and made some nasty comment about it. So what? Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say don't change your whole service or uh, process yeah. just based off one instance, but definitely can always look to see uh, how oh, you can yeah. continue to improve things that way. I disclose this openly. When we did the pilot of the podcast reach system, uh, our first projects took longer than expected, and mm -hmm. that was just learning curve stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know. I mean, I've been launching podcasts for ten years, but this was the first time I'd really formally systemized the whole thing with specific and very tight deadlines. So what we've done over subsequent projects is we've, I've actually kept a log of where did it seem like I kept getting stuck having to go back and ask the client for things? Why did this seem like I had to go to the designer three times? What were the, what was the amount of time it took to complete X? And is there some way we could have shortened that? And I made a log of this and I went through it and I found efficiencies. And some of the efficiencies came from simply changing the order in which we do things. But how do you get good at that? By doing it. Yep. That's that's building a process. Is, uh, yeah. My biggest problem when I first started out was trying to make a perfect process before we sold anything. But part uh -huh. of it is, part of it is uh, refining it as you go and kind of going the MVP approach that way. Yeah, that's kind of what I did. It's like, I, I know how to do this. I'm very good at it. I get great yeah. results on it already. But there's a formal process. There's only so much I can plan in advance. And there are certain lessons I'm only going to learn. So I was, I'm very blessed that the people who participated in my pilot program were friends of mine who viewed themselves as partners rather than consumers. Yeah. And I think that that is a good, I think that that, in itself also facilitates being able to have an education first approach and an educational communication approach is having your clients feel like that they're partners in something rather than consumers of something. No, that's really true. We're uh, we recently rolled out a new service and we started it with existing clients that have been with us for over a year so that we knew we had that 
comfortability and we knew we could get some honest feedback from them as well as we went through it. They knew at the end of the day, if we missed a deadline or something, we would make sure that they received the value that they were going for, uh, that they signed up for, but it helped us uh, really refine process and uh, get some good feedback. Cause a lot of times with new clients, if this is their first experience with you and it's a new service, that can be a recipe for disaster. Um, So it was, it was good that we were able to roll it out to existing people. We knew people we were comfortable with that way. Yeah. I, I think that's very important. I think I said something earlier that, in previous business ventures, I felt like I was the one-eyed man leading the blind, and I was uh, and I was set up as the idol in the situation. And mm. the thing about idols are is they're destined to fall. Mm. Think of an idol that hasn't fallen. Uh, I, I, I wish you luck finding one. So uh, that's why they say never meet your heroes. So I prefer myself to work with clients who understand what I do. Mm-hmm. And, and and it may to in certain aspects even know a bit more about it than I do. There's a very simple reason why. They're engaging me as their partner to achieve it because they recognize the value of having a subject matter expert on hand who actually knows how to do this stuff, knows how to deliver results on it, has a track record on it, where they don't have to spend a lot of time explaining it. And because they understand it themselves, they know the value they're getting. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple analogy. If you go to a store and buy a vacuum cleaner, what do you expect it to do? Yeah. <laughs> you, expect it, you expect it to vacuum your carpets. Yeah. As long as, it, as long as it does that, you're satisfied with the purchase. Mm-hmm. Like you're not saying, hey, vacuum cleaner, um, can you also wash my dishes, scrub <laughs> my deck, uh, and, uh, and defumigate my curtains for me? No, you would never ask out of your vacuum cleaner. You'd ask it to sweep your carpets. Mm -hmm. So I just don't get this whole thing of when clients come to agencies and they pay for, you know, your case, Facebook and Instagram services, and then they all would also expect you to build their website, manage your emails. Again, I don't know what other add-ons and what else we do as you have, and -hmm. you may actually do some of this stuff, but to have it be expected as part of the price that they paid for. Yeah, we uh, we set really clear boundaries in the beginning of, of specialization focus. So we just do paid media and creative strategy. And that's it. And I think, um, yeah, it's uh, there's so many agency models out there and freelancer models out there that some people like to catch all and that can confuse clients that way. But uh-huh. we stick to the specialization because we understand and we educate our clients on how much better results you get when somebody specializes in it versus just being good at it or okay at it that way. Uh-huh. That's, 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 that's very much the case. So I see agencies out there that claim to be one-stop shops and it will do anything and everything for you. And I've actually tested this theory a couple of times. So in one case, the agency owner was a consulting client of mine mm-hmm. and I had him go through so, so it's like, yeah, I see your list of services and I see that you have seven different sections and a total of 45 bullet points and you claim to be an absolute expert in all these things. That, that's all well and good. So tell me what you did, what, what, what's on your, your schedule for today? Like what client work are you doing? What projects are you working on? Okay, great. So tell me about the past week. What clients, what, clients, what projects and what have you been working on? Now let's look at the past month. In the past month, what projects have you completed? What have you been working on? And I looked at all of his answers. And I said, you claimed to offer 75 different things on your website, but I, you, and 
the past month, you've done five of those things. Mm-hmm. What are you really in business for? Yeah, and it can be it can be difficult to scale uh, agencies uh-huh. with that many offerings as well. Yeah, and in another case, uh, another purported to be a one stop shop is uh, they. Uh, I was looking for somebody because my my producer was kind of um, overloaded, and I needed to bring on another person to help me send out some emails to my list. And uh, they said, "Oh yeah, we, we we do we do emails." Okay, great. And I spoke with them, and they only knew how to work with constant contact, and even that not very well. Hmm. So why are you claiming this is one of your services? I came to you. I use Active Campaigns, one of the very common ones. If you're if you're doing email marketing, you should know enough about Active Campaign to log into it and send an email. <laughs> But you don't have that one, so uh, that's 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 my point about this. And I think that if you have the specialization, see, I'm going somewhere with this. If you have the specialization, you're better able to educate the market. So we've been mm-hmm. speaking up until now about educational communication, how it builds client relationships. But now, you know, in the time we have left here, and we have about uh, I think about five minutes, I'd like to close on something I think is very important. Is how about educating the market, your prospective clients, on this? Because I think where people get confused a lot, and I acknowledge it, I sometimes get down this rabbit hole, is they end up trying to educate their market on all the great features they have, and they miss the reason why the market would actually buy. Like, for example, you could uh, you know, you could come to me, and I'm a real skeptic when it comes to social media advertising because Facebook mm-hmm. treated Facebook did me wrong. Let's put it that <laughs> way. And I'll just leave it at that. So if you were to approach me as a prospective client, first of all, in my mind, it's already a no, and I'm listening to you out of a courtesy. Mm-hmm. So, but I, but I am listening to you, even if it's a courtesy. So you have my attention. Mm-hmm. So what can you do with that to make me perhaps give Facebook advertising a second look or be willing to try it with you? And I don't think that you telling me about your process for optimizing keywords and headlines is going to matter to me one bit. What's going to matter to me is that the ads will actually work, that Facebook's not going to randomly shut them down for bullshit reasons, like like if I'm running an ad for how to get sponsors and they decide to falsely accuse me of of, uh, selling tobacco, which actually happened. yeah, I don't want I don't want problems. I do want valuable leads. Yeah, there's there's two ways yeah. we go about this. Yeah, uh, t- yeah, tell me how many get those valuable leads because I don't care about your process. I care about <laughs> not having my ads shut down. I care about not having to deal with their dystopian bullshit. And I don't care about getting a bunch of junk and somebody saying, oh yeah, well, we got you a bunch of leads, but they're all fake Gmail addresses. Mm-hmm. Show me how show me how I'm gonna make money. <laughs> so uh if we're we'll go two hypothetical routes first to directly answer i would say definitely in your case find someone that specializes in because there's facebook ads but there's also specialization within that we just do e-commerce and product-led software companies so okay there is people out there that will specifically specialize in solar panel install or lead generation in your vertical or medical spa lead generation or appointments booked. Like there's people that specialize that granular with things. So in that case, I would say definitely look for somebody that has a proven 
uh, results with that, because the great thing with that specialization is going to be they know all the workarounds, right? I'll give you an example. Right. We worked with a uh, e-commerce company that was fasting mints, like mints that help you uh, fast, right? And one of the problems in their account was that their CPMs were like 60 to $80 before we started working with them. Really, the key thing is in this education part of the sales process, you need to actually get in their account and diagnose what's going on and then uh -huh. help educate them on what needs to be done. In this case, for example, with this client that I'm talking about, so many of their ads had been rejected that their ratio from approved to rejected ads was so bad that Facebook was charging them super high CPMs because the algorithm saw their account as a negative. So what we told them to do and what we did was outside of just getting sales, launch, re-fix re those ads that were rejected, put them back through, get them approved, leave them, leave them off, and then launch Facebook page like campaigns, which are just to get likes on your Facebook page with ads that have no chance of getting rejected and launch like 100 to 200 ads at a low budget and mm -hmm. refix your ratio back. And it worked. It got their CPM down and we went that way. So really, I would say, make sure you find someone that is uh, hyper niched to your area that you're that you're servicing or that you are and see how they can show you case study or proof based on what they've done in the past. My example, e-commerce, that's what we do. We don't uh, do too much lead generation, but I'm sure there is uh, there's opportunity out there. Uh, one thing I can tell you really quickly for yours is lead gen funnels, Facebook, uh, they're multi-step. They require education first. And that's not just me saying that because that's what mm -hmm. I care about. But right. uh, you go the, I'll say, go the Chris Walker approach. And if you don't know who that is, look him up on LinkedIn and uh, sure. you can see his content. Okay. So what I caught out of that is a, is a couple of things. Um, first of all, the niching is very important. So if yep, you want to educate much. somebody, particularly a skeptic, show them that you understand their particular industry yep. or if you don't just say so. Yep. And if you have a relation, I mean, if you have a referral relationship or even a recommendation available, share that rather than try to just take on things and learn on the client's time. It's just not worth it at that point. Very and then much. the second, and then the second is to take a holistic approach without it sounding like a clusterfuck. And I said that as delicately as I could, <laughs> uh, we get these estimates sometimes where they want to go through 27 different steps before they actually get started on the results piece of it. Mm -hmm. And you took that whole thing. And even though I, I personally saw three or four steps when I thought about it deeply on the surface, I saw one step. You were just looking for fix why the ads keep getting disapproved. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I heard the part about look at your, you know, look at your ratio of approved to disapproved. I saw the part about running a bunch of ads that were guaranteed approved just to change the ratio in your favor. I saw that I even heard the part about fix those ads that were disapproved, get them approved, but don't run them just to get them back in your win column. I heard that too. And those are all things that were in my, oh, what does this mean? But on the surface, all I heard was make my ads work. Yeah. And I and and when I told you why I was a skeptic, one of the themes that I kept repeating was the ads weren't working. So with yeah. that, um, I can tell you I'm still not in the market to 
do social media advertising, but I would be willing to hear more if and when I get to that point, based on what you told me. Yeah, I would say definitely uh, look for somebody that specializes in your vertical and has some case studies from it. And you'll, 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 your rate, your percentage of having success will be a lot higher. We'll put it that yep. way. Yep. Yep. And if you, uh, yeah, and if you and I were sitting next to each other in one of those places where mastermind moments happen, you would do the little self point gesture and draw the frame in the, in the air. As you said, look for someone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what I want to do here is you have an invitation for our audience, and I want to make sure that we get that shared. Uh, Colby Flood, as you know, as you trust that some of our listeners can see at this point, uh, does know a lot about Facebook and, and Instagram advertising and is somebody that you should speak with if you're considering going down this path and or if you've struggled with it up until now and are interested in making it work or are interested in taking another look at it toward making it work. I would certainly suggest you speak with Colby. I also suggest that you subscribe to our show, go back and listen to this again, and pick up some of the nuggets that we shared through storytelling on how educational communication builds client relationships using the education-first approach. And with that, Colby has a gift for you. If you want to discover podcasts, educational videos, and other resources that educate you on e-commerce digital marketing. Where you want to go is www.brighterclick, that's, you know, brighter is in more bright, www.brighterclick.com forward slash educational hyphen resources. Brighterclick.com forward slash educational hyphen resources. This page gets updated frequently, so I would encourage you to visit more than once. I know that in the past few weeks, I've looked at it twice and the content has changed because he's adding to it all the time. And overall, just visit that website, www.brighterclick.com and discover more about how Colby's agency can work with you to improve your results, particularly for your e-commerce store and what that's going to get with your Facebook and Instagram ads. And he's delivered results by two to three X. So with that, Colby Flood, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.